Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it's kind of different. It's kind of different now being on in this format, right? You don't hey, need to say, hey, hey. It's, this it's Hail Varsity Weekend Edition. You don't need to say that anymore. Presented by Currency. You don't Chris need to Schmidt, say that anymore. Mark Cranach. And hey, it is uh, a new endeavor. We are still streaming to you on the Hail Varsity mm-hmm. YouTube channel, KFOR Facebook, Twitter, and the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Good to see you, man. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into Husker baseball, big red hoops uh, against Iowa, winter conditioning's winding down, recruiting. A lot of tug of war to talk about. Yeah, yeah. but brother, I, I got a. Were you a Bonilla, Spanky Lavalier, Bonds, Bob Walk, Doug Drabeck? Were you a late 80s Pittsburgh, early 90s Pittsburgh guy, or did you just like the lid? Because I love that hat. It's uh, it's actually Jose Leaned is who I was thinking. Oh, did you? The second yeah, baseman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, I, I love Jose. He didn't hit is, for crap, but I loved is, his defense. It's not a Pittsburgh Pirates hat, though. Looks like it. It's not. It's It's... It's the youth baseball hat. It's a ripoff of it, and that's actually Navy. But as we've, as we've established. <laughs> Dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> as we've established, my, you my, have. Uh, I'm, color, become, I'm, I'm, glowing, I'm going colorblind. Yeah. Did you know that before a few weeks ago? I don't think you knew that. You, you have been walking around an undiagnosed colorblind guy no, this for is your blue, whole life. This is red. No, dude, that's actually orange and yellow. I've got um, this ugly ass uh, Oreo looking uh, countertop. I mean, I, I can see colors. It's fine. Mm-hmm. As far as you know, right? But like, that looks black. Both... I'm sorry. That looks black. When it's I think not. of Navy, I think of like Georgia Tech Navy and that gold. All right. So here's, here's not... a comparison. I got a camera here, right? Is camera. your sweatshirt the same color? Yes. Well, I, I get it. Okay. See now, See the now it's coming black. into form. That's pretty right. good. Yeah, I got you. Yep. Hey, talk for a sec. My coffee just got done. I need to go get your I coffee. Re- the mic can't reach it. It's very close. It's like 12 okay. feet away. I'll try yeah. to even yell. In fact, let me just turn my mic settings. Just, you're good. Cranach's going to go get coffee. You're welcome to, to join us here on Hail Varsity Weekend uh, with the StreamYard comments. Uh, <sighs> off what you want to talk about or discuss Can you still hear me over here? or I, a little bit this okay. is this is weird is but it works coming up on the show brandon vogel managing editor with hailvarsity.com and magazine As usual. Uh, love talking with vogues the iron horse gary sharp is an hour away elijah herbal is in las vegas and that got me to thinking where would your bucket list place be for Nebraska to play a football game? It is Ireland for a lot of us. That was achieved thanks to Mark Cranach as he spoke it into existence all the way back during the Riley era. That's a that's a real thing. Unfortunately, we can't go back to the tape and prove it. So Ireland was incredible. Uh, the game, not so much with an onside, uh, but – 
as Matt Rules pointed out. Can we dive into that a little more, you, though? You, you guys were still tied going into the fourth quarter. <laughs> I know. Can, quit, can, quit blaming Frost for that one decision, Matt can, Rule can, says. I love can it. You, can you dive? We, let's dive into that a little more. We seriously may have had a legitimate influence on that. Like, that's not an we, unreasonable you're the, thing. You're the, we, you're the brains, your idea. You're, well, it, but it was on the show, and then, sure. and then we, we, we started tagging them, and that was back in 2017? Yeah, during the Riley era, glorious time. Yeah, it was in 2017 when we, and we got interaction from College Football Ireland, right? It's and there, it's it was a Twitter handle CFB Ireland, and mm-hmm. they don't get a ton of engagement, right? Like it's not like they're getting, or at least they used to not. They'd get like two, they'd post stuff like, "Hey, remember when we had Notre Dame?" They would have like a picture of a Notre Dame guy, mm-hmm. and they'd get like two likes or three, you know. So it's not like they're getting all this activity and all this traffic. And then we we just we tagged them and started interacting with them and pointed out that Nebraska had something like what is it 246,000 1.9 million fans 1.9 million fans but two and and like 246,000 of them claim Irish heritage 20,000 would make the trip you really started pumping sold it. Them full of stats what was the know? number what was the number what was the actual number last august of 40, fans 000? that went yeah, forty thousand. The stadium holds fifty five. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were capacity. No. So it was probably like fifty total were there, 50, yeah. and we probably had thirty of right. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Is that reasonable? I mean, you kind of took up I a whole so. sideline. It was and then, awesome though. It was and then the even best the northwestern ever. side, there was a lot of Husker fans peppered through there, mm-hmm. including us. There was kind of, it was kind of, I didn't even really see a northwestern section to be honest. No, you had some of the gals at the Mary Cobbler that that uh, got the green Northwestern hats they were wearing when we got done with our post game. That yeah. was the best. Like we get done doing the post game, and then all of a sudden you've got this Irish acoustic one man show, fifteen feet above the bar entrance, jamming away yeah. to "Bye Bye Miss American Pie" some CCR. And every every beauty in Ireland was just on the dance floor, and uh, it was solid. It, it's it's it highly was, recommended. It there's was the a lot best. of people. There's a lot of people. Not a lot. Enough. I've talked to a few. One of my good friends was like, "I don't. I didn't want to go because if I make to Ireland, that's a bucket list, you know, trip, and I don't want to go there and be around a bunch of crazy Husker fans, you know, like." And no, he people were able to separate the football from the, right. from the Ireland. They did. And, and let's be honest, Nebraska football right. fans, you, you've taken a beating, bless your heart, the last several years, right? You're afraid yeah. to get too cranked up and not that I'm doubting your fandom. I'm not. You just, you've had to exhale a little bit with reality and it's, it's been tough to watch the team not perform or turn into one of those teams you used to beat uh, yeah. all the time. Nebraska's looked a yeah. lot closer to the 1980s Iowa State or Kansas pre-Glenn Mason than they have even a, a middle-of-the-road 9-3 and three Nebraska team. But yeah. the uh, winter conditioning's been for real. Elijah found out some great info on what – you know where you're at and 
where your your standing is so far through winter conditioning based on jersey color. Yeah. And Did you find black, out like the the what the the rankings are sort of like karate where there's black belts and yellow belts? Yeah, no, it, it's a lot like karate. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, okay, black is top and elite. You're you're the beacon of the program. Rules I bringing think, in Miyagi dough. This is right. Awesome. I think yeah. the kind of the silver is for some freshmen. And uh, that freshman, you know, you're 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 not there yet, but you're doing the right things. What are the red might be great. Red might be great effort. Go back and listen to Hale Varsity's uh, podcast Thursday uh, Monday's show, four forty. We we laid it out. Wow. And then I think white means you need to step your game up as you get into oh. as you get into fall ball. Red is. Um, you're, you're working towards consistency that that's, that's, so he makes people wear a scarlet letter. He gives it, it's more, it's more white if it's like you're, you're weak. It's, it's more of a, no, here's your standing. And the rest of the team can see your standing. You also know it. And then if you have green and purple on that may be injured or, or, or something, right. It's kind of off to the side. Uh, and are, are these jerseys that they're going to wear in practice too, or is this just off-season conditioning uniform? The, well, I don't know if it's going to transition into the practice field, but you've had it during conditioning, and it may be oh. as, it may be as simple as something like just okay because they've had the competition groups right. Monday we'll hear from Fedoni and Chief Borders. Yeah, they were we got to in, dive into that. Like, why were they picked over somebody else? That's a whole other thing. We'll get into. We'll get into it. Well, they led a a, a certain group, right? And yeah, uh, yeah. that's that's why. So maybe we'll know more Monday when Rule speaks. But no, I like how he's got things set up. I loved hearing from Doctor Elza this week, Husker yeah. Network, and and Damon Damon and uh, just did an incredible interview with the Doctor Elza, Damon Benning. Um, on, I didn't on hear Friday, that I heard Jessica. For, pardon me. I, I heard the one of the on the network. Yeah, I mean Jessica Damon did did wonderful work there, and I'm just fascinated oh. with Dr. Elza, man. She's awesome to listen to. So yeah, but hey, going back to these white shirts. So that's interesting that he does the scarlet letter thing. Uh, like if you have to I don't know, game, I don't know like, that it's a I don't know that it's a Yellowstone branding type deal, but it, it's it is sort of a. It'd be pretty embarrassing for yourself. I, I'm not calling him out for it. What I'm no, saying no, is like, that's, that's interesting to just go ahead and just be like, oh, yeah, the guys that need to set their game up, you're going to wear these white shirts. And then everybody's like, Psst, and they know what that means. And you're kind of shaming people. It kind of reminds like in the corporate world, that's like stack ranking, you know? Um, all right. God, I don't even know if that's actually the right term for it. But in the corporate world, there's a there's this philosophy with performance management. Yeah, where a certain percentage of people are considered like exceeding a certain are considered meeting and then a certain mm -hmm. percentage is considered, you know, needs improvement. But it's the, the, the issue with that philosophy that some people have is it automatically assumes now it's designed to to constantly have uh, improvement. Right. It's designed for mm -hmm. continuous improvement, but it automatically assumes because it because it it sort of prescribes, say, twenty percent will be exceeds, 
60% will be meets, 20% will be needs improvement. It it prescribes that. So it automatically assumes that there will be 20% that are like bottom feeders or whatever. So even if you had, say, a team of 10 and they were all killing it, mm-hmm. that philosophy makes you still pick two that weren't, right? And then those people kind of get the raw, the short end of the stick. And so there's there's issues with that philosophy, as you might imagine, is that you know you end up putting pressure on people that might actually be doing a really good job, you know, and and don't deserve sort of this tag of needs improvement. I'm not saying this is exactly what Rule and them are doing, but it's interesting. I, I wonder if that's part of his philosophy, where it's like, yeah, we're always going to have some people in white shirts just to keep driving this insane competitive environment, mm-hmm. or if he does it where it's like, no, those dudes actually need improvement. And he would be totally fine if nobody was in those white shirts. Here's the rundown for sure. And our okay. buddy Tyler uh, tweeted the this out earlier in the week uh, with our segment. Today, uh, it, well, black jerseys are the guys exceeding the standards and meeting expectations. Red jerseys are meeting expectations. White ones are needing improvement green and purple or injuries and then you have yeah the, the silver was some of the freshmen that have been enrolling specifically a maverick Noonan. so maverick those are the Noonan. interns those that's the <laughs> that's the relation to the corporate world <laughs> maverick Noonan's yeah. been wowing and a, a name i want you to think about at linebacker because uh-huh. it's open is um is grant gonna be grant Moody's having a hell of a winter is he yeah really good kid out of southwest so did brian knuckles well brian knuckles was <laughs> a little bit uh adverse to to, to friendships and relationship developing <laughs> oh really yes. i didn't realize that nobody liked him um the way babbers explained it mike babcock's the, the best there is He's just like, I don't know how good a citizen he was. And you can hear Mike's voice <laughs> <laughs> saying that. But uh, no, we we are we're talking winter conditioning and uh, gonna be pretty fascinating here. I mean, for the storylines here, what what emerges with who's the top five on the offensive line? And all right, what's what's Casey's availability? Is he's busting his butt to get back? What what does Sims look like? The running back room looks like a lot of fun. And then can you find some dudes on defense, right? That 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 secondary is experienced, but yeah. it, it's a whole new defense. And oh yeah, by the way, what's what's your linebacker depth look like after Reimer? Yeah. So no, it's gonna be yeah. fun, man. Yeah, and and you've heard, you know, look, these dudes make the rounds, by the way. They, mm-hmm. you know, they uh, the assistant coaches will come on different shows and hey, by the way, we got to get some of these guys on like, I'll, yeah, I'll just let me, let me know. I mean, what, what we want to do and who we want. Just any of them. Okay. Bring on any of them and we'll just, we'll just wrap with them and they need to be on this, on our new podcast presented by current currency. Yeah. They need to be on here for that. Uh, all your equipment it, financing needs go currency. Right. Right. That's what I was going to say, but then you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, uh, you're wearing a, a a blue Pittsburgh hat, so it's okay. It's not a Pittsburgh hat. It's not. <laughs> so, uh, but you heard him talk. Cooper had mentioned this week. I think it was with Callahan and Sipple. I don't know. 
that he uh, he digs Newsom. Mm-hmm. He digs Hartzog. Sure. So it's, it's, it sounds like those dudes are holding court so far, right? And that's a positive sign. I I for one love Hartzog. Like if you get a if you get a freshman. Don't take that out of context. That's not good. Me just saying I love Hartzog. I mean, that could get misconstrued. It's not in that way. Hard to get him or his position coach on in the future. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Chris Farley and Paul McCartney here. Look, you get a freshman that's able to. Here's something else he said. Now, this really stood out to me. (laughs) Okay. Tommy Hill. Like, hey, why'd Tommy Hill get moved back to defense? Like, well, it's fast. He started at corner. He's tough. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. He's tough. Like, I'm not saying he's not tough. Tommy Hill could kick my ass. I'm right. I I get that part. Early lines have a three to one favorite Tommy Hill over Mark Cranach. Three to go do hundred to one. Like, come on. I'd have to catch him. Like you, you would use a weapon if push came to shove. Yeah, my just, point. <laughs> I don't want to fight Tommy Hill. Let's let's get out of here. On that note, but uh, but that's one thing he said is that he's tough. I'm like, and maybe he is. Maybe there was just something going on mentally or whatever. But it was pretty clear against Northwestern against Georgia Southern. You know, you wouldn't say the guy was seeking contact <laughs> to use a, sort of a Babbers approach. Did, did I don't it, know how much did it remind you of Lamar contact. Jackson. Did it remind you of Lamar Jackson before Lamar got his mind right? A hundred percent. Cause look, dude, it hurts. If you're at, if you're at corner, I played corner at a very high JV uh, level in high school. And uh didn't know you played football too. I know you did baseball. Oh, JV. JV. Yeah. Quit out as, from as a year. JV as a junior, or were you a sophomore? Sophomore. So that's not that's good. That's impressive. Well, that was the only team you could be on. I mean, there wasn't a sophomore team. Oh, but I'll go ahead and take I'll go ahead and take that that compliment. It's like pretty good. Uh, but as a corner in the run game, it's a little different, right? I mean, you got to be ready to go. So somebody comes around on a counter, you know, comes around on a sweep generally they have a full head of steam you as a corner do not you have to shed your receiver block here comes a guard get out of his way right it's it's and, not the easiest thing it, it just it just it does require some toughness right it does require like i gotta shed dudes and then you better go initiate contact because while they're still going lateral you do have a chance you do have a little bit of leverage on them to where you can go deliver the blow rather than receive it (laughs) right because once they square their shoulders and they're going north and you're sitting there flat-footed and they're probably a lot bigger than you are as a if you're a corner and they're a running back yo you you (laughs) you can get lit up pretty good as a corner you know so it it, you you have to be you so you have to be ultra aggressive so like Cam Taylor Britt was awesome at that. DiCaprio Boodle was awesome at that. Like those dudes did not accept. They knew they were they were trying to make that stop before that running back started getting north south, 
right? And so they were very aggressive at shedding the blocks, going it. I mean, how many times do you remember Boodle making plays at or behind the line of scrimmage on outside runs, right? He did. I, it. I think it's, of that. I think of Doman off that short edge blitz mm-hmm. doing yeah. a TFL on on a, on a second down. Uh, I think your gold standard for tackling cornerbacks starts with Baron Miles. Baron was great at it. Ralph Brown was great at it. Ralph Brown was one of my favorites. I mean, he changed the Orange Bowl with decapitating Jamal Lewis and threw his body into him, forced the fumble, and Mike Ruckers recovered it. Mm -hmm. And that that neutralized Tennessee early in the game. That's one of the great – you know, we all think of Rude's hit against Oklahoma in 78 along the sideline where you heard it. Um, from from miles away, no, that hit, and then of course Ralph Brown's against Jamal Lewis. I mean, they're they're right up there with iconic game changing hits, and totally. that's the type of corner you need, and you got to have. But think about it, man. Especially if you're playing, the big if you're playing corner, the athleticism, the speed, the agility, the competitiveness, the amnesia. I mean, all those things you got to have, but. If you're at corner, it means either you're you're too good of a cover guy to, air quote, put back at safety where maybe a cover. But you, a lot of guys, when it comes to the secondary, they're put at corner because they're they're not what they need to be as a tackler. Yeah. Corner safety. Well, we think you're a little bit better in the coverage game, and maybe you're not, as, you're not as physical as a safety or a slot guy, slot corner. Safety, so you have to be. Corner. Yeah, safety, you have to be a tackler. You're, you're run even, support, dude. <laughs> yeah. You're in the box. Right. And the th- but the thing is, the the more that the game has evolved to to spread and to I like everybody has to be a good tackler now. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think in the past you probably could have sort of shielded some corners to where they were for the most part in the passing game and didn't have to do a ton in the run game. Mm-hmm. Uh but everybody has to be a, a sure tackler now. And so that's part of part of that is also being able to r- recognize the plays that are coming. And so the, the issue that Lamar had and that I saw same with Tommy, too, is it, maybe it was a recognition thing. Right. And maybe it was mm-hmm. a thing where they're in the play. They're focused on their receiver. They're just kind of watching them. And then they're not really recognizing. Oh, hey run play, get that receiver out of your face and get to the ball carrier, right? Mm-hmm. And in other cases, maybe it's like, hey, just contain your outside leverage because you're going to have help coming on the inside. But either way, they weren't attacking it aggressively. They weren't dictating anything, right? So, and and Lamar changed that his last year. Sure. He changed it. He, ch- he totally changed that to where he started getting upfield. He started being reliable in the run game. But before that, he was sort of accepting being blocked and he wasn't aggressively going after the ball carrier, right? Which I would equate to quote unquote toughness, right? You know, Tommy Hill is the same. That's the same thing. Go back and look at the Georgia Southern tape. It's like the dude was not trying to get off blocks. He was not trying to go make tackles. And I, I believe that's why he got moved because dude, if you go from starter, right. And imagine in practice, you're not tackling a lot. Right, in practice. No, there, you are there not was, there was minimal contact. Right, and then it gets real in a Big Ten game, and you got some motivated 
running backs are going. Somebody has to actually tackle. So if the if the practices weren't allowing them to tackle, and you weren't seeing them tackle, Tommy Hill probably looked like a great corner, and they were just like, awesome, yeah, let's put him at corner. Then you get him in a game, and it's whoa! All of a sudden, you're realizing he's not tackled. That's why he was pulled. Well, that's why not, he was it's moved. Not fair. It's not fair to throw him out there and know what he is or used to be as a sometimes tackler from an attitude standpoint, just being a willing tackler and a guy that, that really likes that part of the game versus puts up with that part of the game in comparison to to one-on-one coverage. And then, Oh yeah, by the way, you're not hitting anybody during the week or it's minimal go out there in a game and get it handled. Uh, No, you got to practice to, to be worth a damn at it. Can we think of a single player that went from in the same season that went from starting on one side of the ball to completely pulled off of that side of the ball, (laughs) right? That's how alarming it was to the people who were breaking that down. Hey, we lost your mic. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Might want to plug things in. Chris is working on his mic here. No, I don't got you. You're on mute though. Unmute. Press the bu- press the mute button on the front of your mic. Nope. Mute button on the front of the mic. Press this thing. No, you're still on mute. You're still on mute, Chris. Ah, oh, see, we're off to fly and start on this uh on this podcast format. Nope. Ain't, ain't got you. Ain't got you. Your mic is probably muted. It says it's muted, or there is no audio source. On your mic. Nope, I ain't got you. Don't got you. So continuing on with Tommy Hill. So if if you go from being a starter, right? You're you're a starter on one side of the ball, any position, pick any position. Like, has Nebraska ever had a left tackle that started the year as the left tackle? And then they're like, after three games, they're like, uh, might have to move him a defense. I mean, you talk about such a misfire. That's that's pretty emblematic of some of the things that were happening in the program at that time. How do you misfire that bad to where you you pick your starting 11? You have been with these folks throughout the summer, all of fall camp. You land on your starting 11 on defense. How do you misfire that bad? That you don't even have nope, Chris, I ain't got you, man. You still your your microphone says muted, I believe. Yeah, nothing, man. Got nothing. I would take your uh, I would take your mic, unplug it, plug it back in, uh, and then get your audio settings. You know, go to settings, go to audio, <laughs> go to microphone. <laughs> See what happens when Elijah's not here? My God. Kids off in Vegas. Um, but how do you misfire that poorly? where you pick your starting 11 and one of them not only may not be not only may not be good enough to to start but not even good enough to remain on that same side of the ball like that that points to so many issues it points to so many issues and it's you know it's part of the reason one of the reasons yeah and now now we got you back Trey. okay let me sorry finish this point let me finish yeah. this point real quick but you got Trev Alberts who has mentioned with Frost, one of the, re, you know, he intimated as much that the details just weren't there, 
right? The details weren't there, and he's looking for a detail-oriented coach. Like, how bad of an operation, how mis mishmashed was your operation when you start a guy and then pull him off of that side of the ball? Like, what the hell were you doing in the fall to either, A, lead you to believe that this person was starter-worthy, and then when it translates to an actual game or games, you realize it's not even close. Like, wow. Wow. That that has huge, huge implications on what the hell were you doing in practice? You clearly weren't approximating games, like at all, you know? And Mickey Joseph did mention that when he got the interim tag. Like, hey, what are you going to do? Uh, you know, what, what are you planning on doing? What are some of the changes you're making? He's like, we're going to tackle in practice. <laughs> that's one thing we're gonna remember said yeah. that it's like oh imagine that great. so you're gonna so you're gonna practice one of the key elements of the sport that you have to do 70 times a game yeah yeah you should probably practice tackling let you me, know, let not me a throw bad in idea. another take here on tommy hill or just the situation to your point about and and one guy making him coffee from, i'm listening from from the side of the ball. I think of John Stanley Baptiste, where he went from wide out to corner in that season. And they were pretty loaded at wide out in 2010. But he didn't go from starter. No, no, he, he didn't go from starter and he, and he came in and made a great play against Ohio state with, with Hill though, part of this too, to me is the, the perception game is Okay, uh, we we went and landed this four or five star corner in the portal. We want more and more talent from the portal to come to Nebraska. We're going to give them the benefit of the doubt with playing time versus earning the time potentially, because we got to show other kids that you come to Nebraska if you're a portal guy and you're a highly touted kid that you can play right away. That's and, also part of this. I I, uh, I absolutely believe it because you can't tell me that. And maybe in practice he had some good moments, and I'm sure he did. And this hasn't turned. This is not an intentional pinata here session on, on on Tommy Hill. I hope he has a great career and season. But you got to set the kids up for success. And if right. he ain't ready, if he ain't ready to tackle, don't put him in, and then pull him and throw him on the other side of the ball. So how much of the that's a that's a good point, right? Because. How much of this, and you're right, it could come across as a pinata session on Tommy Hill, but how much of it was the environment he was in, right? The expectations that were laid on him, the practice that he received, the coaching that he received to approximate no a game-like situation. From, I have no doubt he got great coaching from Coach Fisher. Well, I have right. no doubt about that. Well, but, but when I say coaching, I'm talking about the overall apparatus. I'm not talking right. about just Fisher. I'm talking sure. about, so Fisher had to work within the parameters set out by the head man about what he would do in practice, right? Sure. So he was limited in that way. Kind of like Mark Banker talked back in the day after playing Iowa, the the bloodbath (laughs) situation, right? And that was Banker basically saying, hey, yeah, I'd like to get more physical in practice, but we can't, right? Coach Riley won't let it happen. And then he gets fired, right? So, And then uh, Riles popped him on a phone call. I know. (laughs) I I got this Diaco guy here, Mark. Uh, We just got to move on. So So it's interesting that uh hill is moved back over um but whose spot is he taking right i mean if you're he ain't taking newsom's 
And I don't think he's going to even take Hartzogs. And then it's well, safety. At safety. Is he a slot corner? Is he a nickel guy? Potentially. Uh, and you, Those and guys yeah. are typically in the box and more physical, though. That's true. Because I like so he would have like, to show that. He would have I like to show Gif- that. I like it. Gifford and Wright uh, with with what they can do. Let's get Vogue's take on this. Yeah. Brandon Vogel with us here, and he's in the football office on Hale Varsity weekend. Brandon, Vogues, we- can, hey, gratuitously swear all you want. Because we're not on the radio anymore, so Vogues is going to flip the table and just go to town. He is going to go scorched earth. Don't worry about your professional reputation or your, you know, any of that stuff. Uh, Here, you can just let it all, let it all hang out, man. No, I. uh, We were talking as an example. Tommy Hill, his role, uh, his talent level, where things are going heading into spring and and how the hell did poor Tommy Hill get moved to the other side of the ball after, after starting it, it, it corner for some series, right? Yeah. And which is different Brandon than just, you know, guys moving other sides of the ball. Chris brought up Stanley Jean Baptiste, for instance, he went from receiver to corner, but he wasn't a starting receiver. But he's right? good enough to start at corner. <laughs> has, that, has that ever happened in Nebraska? Like somebody that is a starter, a day one starter, day and then game two starter, and then they just remove him from that entire side of the ball? Have you, that's never happened. Not that I can recall. Um, <clears throat> you know, I guess some of that could be could be chalked up to certainly a unique season for Nebraska, you know, the, <clears throat> thankfully, I think for everyone involved, the world of in-season firings uh, has been, has been somewhat foreign in Lincoln, uh, not firings in general, of course, uh, over the last two decades of Nebraska football. So some of that, I mean, I think some of what's in play here too is, you know, something like that. When you look back on it, I guess it kind of could be, at least I, I interpret it as a, an overall, check on on program health and it's not an encouraging yes. report um to you know i mean and Mal- a guy like malcolm hartzog who kind of came in and took over that role you know maybe he wasn't quite ready back in august or maybe he was and maybe you know Possibly. it was just a misvaluation i think there's you bring in a, a transfer someone who's p5 to p5 you know relatively high profile i think there is a little bit of pressure to to get a guy like that on the field um but you know back to i guess the original point uh if you're a program that's kind of up and running and as efficient and detailed as you want to be uh you probably don't have something like that occur yeah because i love that you say program health because the implications there on how you conduct practice, how you evaluate all those things. I mean, talk about a misfire. Like, what the hell were you doing in the fall? To, you know, you look across, you got 15 DBs. You're like, yep, that's our dude. That's our guy at corner. Clearly, he earns the starting spot. And then he gets into the games and performs like that. Like, what are you doing in the fall? What are you doing in practice? It's uh, pretty alarming, and I, I guess that's why what happened happened, and why Frost is no longer here. Um, so, so, it, but it then kind of goes to, and Chris kind of made this point: is you know how how much of this was 
Hill himself versus the situations he was put in, right? And, and just kind of the, like, could you say maybe the coaches kind of failed him and <laughs> didn't actually get him prepared for what he was going to see in a game. And I don't think his position coach failed him at all. I, I don't. So it's someone that's, coaching, that's, that's higher wrong. up the food I'm, chain that said, damn it, we got to play Tommy Hill because he's a four or five star transfer and we got to show we can play portal kids, Vogues. I mean, that's that's yeah. the reasoning to me why he got in. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably, you know, among the top reasons. And, you know, I don't mention this as any sort of excuse for for what we're discussing here, but it, it is worth noting you play Northwestern in the opener, obviously in, in a foreign country, unique circumstances. But um, I don't think anybody had as, as great an idea that Northwestern was going to try to become one of the like quickest tempo teams in the country last year and rely on a ton of horizontal passing um, and do what they did offensively. Obviously it didn't work for the Wildcats minus the Nebraska game uh, to, to a degree. Um, and then, you know, two weeks later you've got, or three weeks later, I guess real time, you've got Georgia Southern, which, you know, we kind of knew with Clay Helton in place, but, the degree to which they were able to throw the ball and throw it as much as they did against Nebraska for, for a guy like Tommy Hill. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how well he was prepared for those. It, there was kind of a degree of mystery with those two games in particular that, that may have influenced that, but still, I think our larger point here holds of, you know, Malcolm Hartzog looked really good once he, once he got in there. Um, yep. so, so where was, where was the error? Yeah. It, by the way, did you guys see Georgia Southern must've greased their connections in Atlanta and at the college football hall of fame? Did you all see that? And the, so there is a Jersey and a helmet. And I want to say a game ball that is now on permanent display at the college football hall of fame. And, and with a plaque that commemorates Georgia Southern's upset against Nebraska. That's so that's Nebraska part... made it to the college football hall of fame in dubious fashion. Yeah. And but Georgia Southern, it's like, come on, that was a what a three-win, four-win Husker team. You know, I don't even remember what the record was. Was it four and eight? Yeah, it's four eight. and eight. Yeah, four and eight. If I, uh, if I was Troy Troy University, I'd be uh I'd be on the on the phone too. Hey, right? We, we got there first. A little northern Illinois action. I mean, come on. Yeah. God, did you guys ever think in your lifetime that we'd be having a cup of coffee and some of us have alcohol in our coffee talking about soul-crushing upsets to G5 schools? Hey, Ball State made it close back uh, well, in the day. That's when, Southern, that's when it got on my radar as a possibility. Southern Miss Will was supposed to be just a hiccup. I mean, Michigan got beat by a good, great App State team. It can happen. Welcome to the Big Ten Network. Oh, here's App State. <laughs> I tell you what, there's, there, it's dangerous playing. And uh, granted, Georgia Southern been on a little bit of a downswing, but you know that was Division One AA national power. Like playing those programs, like Northern Illinois, Troy would definitely be in there. Ball State, maybe not so much, but mm. Southern Miss for sure at that time. And I would even include Georgia Southern. Like those G five programs that have a history of winning. 
are supremely dangerous. Like yeah. uh, we kind of we kind of look at those games as like, okay, well, Nebraska's you know going to be a double digit favorite. It should win, and that's that's the case. But uh, I often feel like the margin for error is a little bit narrower when you're playing a, a team like Northern Illinois, which Nebraska faces again this year, um, and, and even Louisiana Tech to a, to a degree, um, who's also on the schedule. Yeah. Look at old North Dakota make you sweat for four quarters, too. Here comes 424 yards receiving by somebody out of La Tech. Oh, my God. Folks, let's spend a minute on on spring ball that's just around the corner. We'll hear from Thomas Fedoni and Chief Borders Monday. Coach Rule will give an update. And Cranach and I got into this, and I know you've chatted with Elijah and Aaron about the the jersey assignments, right, for – winter conditioning. Do you like this setup? Do you like the announcement? Hey, you're in this group. This is your competition group. This is where we think you're at. We've told you that. And now it's on full display <laughs> where you Scarlet need Scarlet letter. Yeah, well, or, or we can go uh, Yellowstone brand. One of the two <laughs> branding or Scarlet letter, however you want to go about it. Um, I, I like it a lot internally. I do have some reservations about uh, externally for those of us who just talk about these things. Are we, yeah, like walking by and just being like, you suck, dude. Like, you like are, are we capable of handling if uh, Casey Thompson shows up in a white jersey one day? Like, or is it going to be a five alarm fire? Um, oh, no, I mean, I, it's it, a big fire. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I knew we were going to get Matt Rule and some players on Monday. Uh, didn't know who those players were until the you know official announcement came out um, yesterday from the university. Pretty interesting to me that while someone yeah. you know we've got the 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 jersey and the merit based color coding, and and then we've got two guys who Thomas Fedoni we've had the opportunity to speak to once or twice, but he's just had bigger things to do, like recover from injuries, unfortunately. Haven't heard a ton from him. Chief Borders is totally new, but, you know, the the release from the university specifically noted they're here for these reasons, like competition-based reasons, leadership reasons that they've shown through, through just winter conditioning. So I'll say this, like, between the jerseys and then these two people we're going to get to speak to in addition to rule to start the week, like – the talk about competition and everything is a competition isn't just talk uh, based on what we're seeing right now. Thomas Fedoni, by the way, what, 10 snaps he's played? Chief Borders has played zero at Nebraska, and those are the two guys that Rule's bringing in. I, I, that, I think that's as much a signal to the rest of the team, too, of just like, no, hey, the stuff that you're doing right now matters a lot. And But let's, let's go back to Fedoni a little bit. He's as committed of a player, it appears, as Nebraska's had. I, I, I put him, he seems like he's almost in that Garrett Nelson category, that Amir Abdullah category of just being like intrinsically motivated to a kind of obsessive degree. You look at his body type from when he committed or when he was a senior, he was a thin dude, right? Pretty thin, athletic, obviously. Looks like he's put on 30 pounds of muscle probably. In, in, in just a couple of years, that guy is an absolute monster right now. Um, from, from all reports, and I guess we'll find out Monday, uh, you know, it, w- it would appear that even though he's tore up both knees, um, 
that, you know, he's really overcome those injuries and he's straight up good to go. Uh, if he is, Brandon, and if he's that guy that we think he can be, uh, how much different does that make Nebraska's offense from like a just a potency perspective if you're able to finally have that flex tight end that's got the size and got the speed um, to really mess with defenses? Well, it's 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 big anytime you can get it. Um, and I mean, I guess we could start with Nebraska. Like you look at the the tight end room going into spring football, and it's pretty much nothing but mystery because you have a player like Fedoni who the talent has always been there, but hasn't had the opportunity to play. Unfortunately, um, Eric Gilbert, somewhat similar. Um, yeah. the, the Georgia transfer, uh, nobody questions the, the ability and talent there, but you know, with him, it's a little bit different of why, why haven't we seen it translate on the field at two, you know, really good programs that, that he's been in. So Nebraska needs, needs not just kind of a solid starter at tight end while well, it, it needs that, but if you could get a weapon there. Um, I mean, we've seen, like, you look at Georgia this past year had basically two transformers at tight end. And it was like, <laughs> you just, you you couldn't, you couldn't do anything. It was like, well, we'll just get them the ball and good luck to you because these guys are free. Um, you know, and I think Fedoni, like coming out of high school, had that potential. You're right. He was, you know, a pretty slim kid. But, you know, seeing him now is, tells me that he didn't use that injury time just to recover. Like he was also adding things to to his toolkit, and for him as an individual, like, I mean, if he becomes anything close to the player he was coming out of high school, like, what a story that becomes. Because as you mentioned, Mark, like, I think the commitment he has displayed to Nebraska, the easiest thing to do after two season-ending knee injuries for a player of his caliber with a coaching change would have been like, you know what, I'm just we're just going to go someplace else for a totally fresh start. He's still here. Um, and, you know, that says something to me about about his work ethic and his ability um, and just his desire to still be in Lincoln. It's impressive. Are we going Decepticon or Autobot for the Transformers at Georgia? I, I think we're going specific. Just give me Optimus Prime. Uh, uh, just just go, go there. And, and that's a glorious time of life. When a... You get your first Transformer. Brandon Vogel is <laughs> with us. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and the voice guy, like the, the, the guy who played Optimus Prime's voice, Optimus always, Prime. always did the radio reads for major corporations, which was cool. Bogues, you've had a lot of conversations with coaches, and I want to just piggyback on the tight end discussion with, you know, what could be, and it can make Nebraska fans really excited about the offense. It can make things really fun if you're Satterfield, if things are clicking on the offensive line. And and I think back to the these are I hate I, I shudder to bring up Aaron Hernandez, but I'm going to. But I look at Florida when they had Aaron Hernandez and Percy Harvin. Okay. And you had stud athlete and flex tight end guy or even New England. Even the old hoodie where he had Gronk and he had Hernandez and they're cranking out Super Bowls. And I'm not saying that Fedoni and Gilbert. Here comes the natty. Here comes the natty. But I'm saying. March 4th, 8.19 a.m. 
if you're Gilbert and your Fidoni and your Satterfield and you guys can all get right, wow. Because that tight end position is is an absolute, I'm going to screw with your defense opportunity. Because that's that's what folks on offense go to and love now. Go get me a tight end that's a difference maker because he's too physical for your corners, Mark, to, to get back to the run support and coverage. Yeah. And he's too fast for your safety. And he's going to wear your linebacker out. Think of the early 90s Orange Bulls with Nebraska having a middle linebacker on a tight end or a slot guy. Uh, how many drinks did you uh, spill? Okay. Watching that 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 matchup wear you out. Mike Petco chasing yes, the Miami Jesus, slot. Mike Petco <laughs> on Ray Carruth. I mean, God <laughs> dang. It just was a wear out. <laughs> I'm probably off in my ears, but well painted. Uh, so Nebraska's got really good options in that room. Uh, and you're going to have one on display Monday. But no, I mean, that's that's the fascinating part. And listen, we all grew up watching Nebraska. And when they had a good tight end, a Harry and a Johnny Mitchell. God, it was fun with the offense because of the play action. Yeah, I mean, just by virtue of where those guys line up, as that position has come to prize athleticism more, they're just they're 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 a matchup problem by virtue of their role in the offense, or can be. And if you get somebody, you add some athleticism to that spot, then you can you, you can kind of pick which mismatch you want to create. And if you've got a quarterback and tight end on the same page, capable of exploiting it. Uh, well, you can, you can, you can make a living that way. And I mean, really Nebraska, when I think back about it now, it's recent past at tight end has been pretty good. Um, mm -hmm. you know, Vocalex got the combine invite. I think we all know, you know, it's probably a long shot at this point for him to be drafted, but he's in the conversation. Stoll is in the league. Uh, you look at Stephen Carter, um, you know, somebody who, did not get to maximize his ability. I don't think at Nebraska just by virtue of like, they struggled to find him as consistently as, as he was open. Um, Kyler Reed was a player that I, I really liked and thought was intriguing as a tight end prospect paired with Ben Cotton specifically uh, probably was a little underutilized as well, but they've, they've had guys where you can like you can put this guy in slot. Like you can do a lot of different things here. That said, all of those players, you know, probably didn't come in with, the accolades, the prestige of of a Fedoni and a Gilbert, certainly. I mean, those guys were unique. Let's um switch over to, to baseball real quick. We can come back to football too. It's anything goes on this new podcast format. That's what's great about this. We don't even have to reset, hey, Brandon Vogel with us because people aren't, you know, right? It's a podcast. It's amazing. This is so freeing. Um, still no swear words yet. Did say ass earlier, but whatever. Uh, and I think you could do that on the radio too. You swore um, under your breath when I hit my mic because I'm an idiot tech with the technology. Yeah, Elijah is not here for a morning, and Chris all of a sudden can't do basic things like no, I know, sneezed and I hit the mute button, and it all hell broke loose. Forgive me. So, you sneezed yourself off the air, pretty That's much. What you did That's pretty amazing. Uh, all right, switch switching over to baseball quick. And hey, little alarming that first weekend. Right against San Diego, uh, drop it, you know, get, getting swept basically, um, tied the last game. Bats came alive, latter half of that. Then you go down to South Alabama and bats came alive. Nebraska gets the sweep there. Uh, but then you go into this weekend, Minneapolis, it's like, all right, now it gets real. 
you got two top 10 teams on the schedule. You got Vandy who just pumps out first round picks um, just routinely now. Number seven in the country. Nebraska busts out eight doubles on those dudes. Leaves, I think, nine stranded, if not more. Nine. Still strikes out a lot, but man, uh, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on <clears throat> on this team right now. Um, not just because of that Vanderbilt win. It's not, it's not sort of recency bias. It's uh, it just feels like the, the lineup one through nine has like, it's not like you get to the back half of that lineup. You're like, okay, well, here, here comes, here comes a one, two, three inning. And then you just got to hope Max Anderson bats when there's somebody on base. It lineup appears pretty deep right now. And you're getting contributions from two. Josh Karen's completely turned it around. He was a 230 year below hitter before. Um, and then obviously Dylan Carey has been a revelation. Anderson has progressed how you would hope. It's 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 looking pretty good right now for Nebraska. Uh, I think for the rest of the year, just because of the contributions they're getting up and down the lineup. Burnham has come in and been a revelation too. How how are you kind of looking at this? Do, do you? Do you, can you put too much stock in, you know, baseball plays 56 games? Can you put too much stock into a win like this? Or do you see this as fairly significant about look, no, this team mentally is right? And they got some, they're quite literally a tough out. They are a tough out. And I think you're right. They're displaying some depth up and down the lineup, <clears throat> which is big, <clears throat> you know, uh, still leaving too many guys on base, but. 13 hits against a team like Vanderbilt um, and, and you get the win with, with five runs, like you, you'll take that. Uh, can you put too much into it? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, we've, we've long talked about in other sports. We want to see these SEC teams come north and see how they do. And maybe didn't do well in, in the Twin Cities. But um, no, I know. <clears throat> credit credit to Nebraska. Um, I, I do think like it's, it's so hard with – just Nebraska's situation in these early season tournaments to know what to make of them. I almost expect it to go more like the first week it did than it does beating a Vanderbilt. Um, so that, that says something. And I don't think it, you can, you can overlook that piece of it. I mean, after they completed that yesterday, I had the thought I haven't gone back and looked it up, but I probably will at some point, like, you know, pick your stretch of years. Like if you want us to go back to 2011 and Jordan big 10, like, how often has Nebraska in like one of its major team sports, like beaten a top 10 team? I'm guessing it's not a lot once you remove, once you remove volleyball um, from the equation. So credit, credit to the Huskers. They got a little bit of momentum now. I think that was their fourth straight win. Um, and yeah, like they're, they're looking like they've got some, some pop up and down the lineup. Brandon Vogel, you see him. He's with us here on Hale Varsity Weekend. Uh, the uh, inaugural kickoff of the Saturday streaming show uh, YouTube channel with Hale Varsity. And can see us on Saturday morning, can see us Monday through Friday, of course. But also, I mean, Hale Varsity YouTube, subscribe to it. It don't cost you nothing. It's awesome with all the the, the post game and then uh, moments that, that there's commentary uh, with some of the Hale Varsity staff members. Uh, press conference postings, so all the all the video content you want as well. Get the digital and magazine, hailvarsity.com backslash offer is where you go. Just to wrap on baseball, Nebraska had a chance to go the other way. They're down three to one. 
and they were able to get out of some tough spots. They stranded some runners that Mm -hmm. it was problematic in past years or even two weeks ago, they would have folded up shop. They would not have found a way, but Will Bolt did a great job of challenging them. I think in the middle innings, even though they were down three to one about dude, it's just a solo home run, move on from it. And then Nebraska found themselves to, to dig in and then produce some, some big times. I mean, think about that. I mean, you, you allow five hits, three or solo shots. Shannon comes in. You only used two pitchers yesterday. Uh, that's awesome. And, and, and Bolt was asked about it, about, you know, is there a little bit of uh, 2021 in this team? And he, he's not crowning him. It's one win, but dude, it's huge for your RPI. It's awesome for Nebraska baseball. Now it's, it, it, it's a deal maker for you come NCAA tournament selection and regional discussion. And, and the whole big 10 has done a kick-ass job of beating some pretty wild teams in the sec and beyond. So as much as we know, the league does not give two dams about baseball or it doesn't feel like it anyway, teams haven't stopped trying. They've had some big, big wins uh, beyond Maryland, beyond Ohio state, Nebraska, Iowa. So that was fun. That was fun. And we're looking for a sport to latch on to, right? Spring football. Great. That's awesome. Basketball's had a nice February, but we'll see how it ends. You want baseball to be good because um, it's been a while since you've had that bandwagon team to to jump on and follow guys. Where well, it's, it's they, been they, one of the worst. Been, they've been good. It's been one of the worst Nebraska sports eras the last two years, outside of volleyball and bowling. <laughs> just, you know, yeah. It's just been rough. It's been absolutely brutal. Hey, real quick little interlude. Um, so I went to the Nebraska baseball coaches clinic. I coach. Uh, coach youth baseball they have a youth coaches clinic right that's comforting you're a youth baseball coach i signed a waiver and stuff it's fine uh uh so they one thing that's cool about it though is that you know they used the players to demonstrate drills and so you got you got to see players up close um and so you know will when they were doing infield drills they brought in matthews max anderson uh Efri Cervantes and Dylan Carey. And so it was pretty notable. This is before the season, right? Pretty notable that they brought in Dylan Carey with the big dogs. Um, so you got a little preview of that. But during the hitting session, they they just used uh, Karen and Griffin Everett. Just those two, the two catchers. And uh, both those dudes are in really good shape, right? You see that up close and personal. Like they, they get after it. You can tell. Karen's built like a linebacker. Um, can he cover? They, <laughs> that would be good uh with a three five three you know you need a couple couple of those uh but but you know so th- so they displayed i don't know five to six drills with danny marcuso the the volunteer assistant narrating it and explaining all the drills that they do and when they're in in the cage session everett has such a consistent I, I, you just kind of equate him to like a professional you know it's just He's so consistent. There's nothing kind of out of whack. Every part of every drill he was executing to a T, you know, so, so they're like, okay, on this, you know, we're tossing the ball towards the outside and the goal here is to hit up the middle or to the right. Okay. On this drill, the goal is straight up the middle on this drill. It's over here. And he's just boom, 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 hitting everything perfectly. Karen. And it could have been the, 
it could have been the environment because if you could picture it, you know, it's a batting cage tunnel and there are assistant coaches lining both sides. Right. And you're, so it's sort of a meat market type thing, you know, as the players are hitting, like they probably don't compete in that sort of environment where people are just literally staring at them from 10 feet away behind a cage. Right. And Gary Sharp is here. Hi, Gary. Uh, Hey, uh, just doing sharing a little interlude about uh, the Nebraska baseball coaches clinic a few weeks ago. And so, so here's, here's Karen and Griffin Everett doing those drills. Everett's just killing it on every single drill. Karen, not so much. Pretty inconsistent, you know, and especially when you had that A-B comparison between, uh, between uh, you know, with Griffin to where it was pretty clear. Like any coach that was there is just sitting there like, man, Everett's poised for a big year, you know, and he has gradually increased his average year after year, reliable hitter last year. Karen, you're like, man, when he gets a hold of one, that thing's a missile, but he's just, he's got to, He's got to get a little more consistency on his swing to be able to handle all kinds of pitches. <laughs> then the season starts and you got Everett. That's now basically a DH Karen starting behind the dish almost every time. And he has become one of the top hitters in a legitimate threat. He's your power guy. Uh, he's hitting to both fields now. So it's kind of like those drills that they've been. It, I, I'm just, I'm just sharing that because it's kind of surprising that when, when you were watching that, it was pretty clear. It seemed obvious. Well, Everett's going to kill it, and Karen's coming along. It's fine. It's kind of flipped around. Start of the year, Everett was struggling behind the plate or struggling at the plate, but now he's coming on a little bit to where he can probably be one of those DHs, and I think it's just emblematic of what we are just talking about on the lineup where you know you were sort of expecting Everett to fill a slot, and if you got something from Karen, great. Well, instead, it's Karen doing amazing, and now Everett's coming along. Now you're getting two solid hitters out of that single position. It's just – it bodes well for Nebraska right now, offensively. Bogues, what's happening this weekend with Hale Varsity, bud? Well, we'll have a full recap from, from baseball and softball this, this weekend. So, obviously that, and then always intriguing Nebraska-Iowa basketball game to, to kind of wrap things this weekend and – uh, Brady Oltman's staff writer is also going to be out at soccer's spring matches. They've got kind of a three, three team, uh, classic sort of thing going on. So we'll have most of what's, uh, what's happening this weekend covered by, by Monday. Folks, thanks for jumping on with this, bud. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. There he is. There he is. Brandon. See you later, Brandon. And we, there he hey. is. Sharpie, the man of many hotels. Sioux that Falls. Is, that is, right? that is impressive. Yeah, Sioux Falls. Was, who did UNO knock off last night? Uh, they beat Kansas City. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, it, it and like it was and a they were a higher seed, seed, right? Uh, they're a 10 seed. So they finished last in the uh, Summit League. And this is the first year that all 10 teams have made it to Sioux Falls. So they play South Dakota State tonight, which uh, will be 12,000 people dressed in blue. So it'll be a road game to try and get to the semifinals. Well, that'll Got be it. good. So, so UNO was the 10 seed. Yes. Yeah, and they beat the seven. Is that what they, it was? They beat the the seven seed. They played uh, played really well in the first half. They scored forty five, and then kind of, you know, they played a team who was desperate in the second half. They ended up winning by twelve. It was a it was a good win for a young team. Uh, but tonight is a whole different animal when you play South Dakota State up here. Yeah, well, hey, you got you got kind of new life going there uh, with with uh, McCutcheon with the new coach. What's he uh, What's he all about? 
Like what, what kind of program is he building? What's their style? Do you think they can kind of ascend to the top of that summit league once he gets yeah. his, uh, his guys? Not to be confused with Andrew McCutcheon of your beloved Pirates. See, uh, uh, it's not it's not Pirates. This is Panthers. does that look Navy to you, Sharpie? No, Navy. it does not. It no. does not. Oh, and then you turn on black. It. Here's black. Oh, that looks like a Pirates cap. Thank you. I'm, that's that's what Chris said too. Jose leaned. We both like that's Jose who I brought Lean. up. That's Spanky Lavalier, Sid Bream <laughs> chugging around third. Andy Van Slyke, Slyke. Bill Madlock. Andy Van Slyke was one of my outfield idols growing up. Okay. That dude was. That's dude a good outfield. Head. Bonds, Bonilla, Van Slyke. Van Slyke. And then yeah. they threw yeah. Bobby Bones making half million in dollars. Isn't Bobby Bonilla's contract, isn't it Bobby Bonilla Day? When is it? In April or something where he gets yeah. his million dollar bonus, his annuity? <laughs> July, July 1, the Mets continue to pay Bobby Bonilla. There was a stretch there. I mean, it was the Pirates and the Braves battling in the 90s. And it was, it was fun. Pirates are fun. Then you had Jim Leland as the manager. Oh, yeah. You have a heater in the dugout. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, the clip that was shared about a couple of weeks ago of him just absolutely ripping Barry Bonds. Like, that was chewing great. him up and down. Spring training hammered him. Yes. It was uh, all right. No, the head coach here is named Chris Crutchfield. Crutchfield. I said McCutcheon. My bad. Yeah. I, I knew there was an utch in there. Okay. We were able to talk a little uh, of your beloved Pirates baseball. Uh He's uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Chris Crutchfield. I think he made an interesting move this year. Is he decided when he took over not to just litter the roster with power five transfers, and he decided that he was going to go either the high school route or the junior college route. And if he was going to get a junior college player, he wanted to make sure they had three years of eligibility so they could establish a culture. And and probably a lot of a lot of coaches that have great success their first year. They will go with Power 5 transfers. And he had an opportunity for a couple of really good Power 5 transfers because of his connections. He was just at Oregon. He's been at Arkansas. He's been at Oklahoma. And he decided that he wanted to establish this year kind of the culture. And he wanted guys that learned the system and were going to be here for a while and didn't want to feel it as a Omaha was helping them out or they were helping Omaha out. So he decided to go a little bit young. Um, and they're the 11th youngest team in college basketball. Uh, th- there've been strides. It hasn't, you know, they're probably, they probably have four or five more wins than they should. And they're at nine right now, but man, they do play hard. I will say that. And he's, he's got something in the works. They're going to do an international trip in the off season and they'll, uh, Where are they going? Uh, they're going to go to Costa Rica. Are you going? Uh, unsure yet, but I would love to, I- I've always wanted to go to Costa Rica. Dude, go and please bring me back some coffee from there. Like <laughs> their coffee is so Oh man, it's, it's not what I By think way. of when asking Sharpie to bring me something back from South America. But, you know. <laughs> well, you're you're different. You're you're whatever works. Uh, Gary, uh, so it's going to so, be you know they're it's uh they made an investment in men's basketball at Omaha, which they had not in the past, and you know the schedule is going to look different next year. They they basically have had to play November and December living out of a suitcase, and that's going to change next year. So they're headed in the right direction, and but tonight will be a, a major major uh, challenge because. When you play up here, it is essentially a South Dakota State home game um, geared towards either South Dakota State or South Dakota. So it'll be fun. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really good tournament. They put on a great experience for fans that uh, make their way into Sioux Falls. Yeah, Charlie. by the way, I'm sorry, just there to throw in. And then on his staff making a uh, return, Kenya Crandall. Uh, and he's he, he played at Omaha Benson, same time that, that Tony Veland was there, same time that Andre Woolridge was there. And he was like five foot six, 
point guard that he could put his head above the rim. You have never seen, I have literally never seen in my life a better jumper than Kenya Crandall. Even now in his 40s, I guarantee that dude can dunk. Um, he moves I, a little bit slower these days, but uh, I'm yeah. sure he was, he was, <laughs> but you know, there was that stretch. Um, and it, it, it hasn't been this way because of how the metro has changed and the suburban schools have really taken off. Is Omaha Benson in the 90s? Man, it doesn't, it regardless of sport, they were just churning out division one athletes. And he was also, I mean, Andy Woolridge, that team, you know, when Woolridge scored 50 at the Devaney against Hastings. Hastings. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's a, he's a, he was a baller and it's good to have him back. He, he, uh, he gets after a little bit, but he's a funny guy, man. I, I remember covering him in high school and I'm like, wow, we are both old now. Now we're working together at Omaha basketball. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Sharpie spring balls just around the corner. Fedoni and, and chief are going to talk Monday and how about, we, uh, orders? Uh, how, about how, how about him being put in front of the media? I, I can tell you firsthand, they really, really like him. And he's maybe just a little bit of a surprise. They thought they were getting something. And if they could push the right buttons, he would he would unlock his potential coming from Florida. But he has had a great like five, six weeks. Like he's at the front of the line in a lot of drills. He's very likable. Uh, he asks a lot of questions in the meeting room. Um, I, I was I'm not surprised about Fedoni because we're all curious about him. But Chief Borders, watch him because I, I think he's gonna surprise some people. I, I think. Finally, he's going to reach his potential at Nebraska. That, to me, is is what is going to be pretty fun about this spring is what gets unlocked for a lot of guys, Gary. And I, I think there's there's a ton of potential. I mean, and, and Rule's going to say the right things, but I think he absolutely believes that he's got a pretty good cupboard. And if you can unlock some guy's potential, coach him up, get some depth built up, we were just kind of fawning over what the tight end room can be, yeah. uh, what an offense can be with two tight ends, or maybe you find a third. I mean, look at those Harbaugh teams back at Stanford where they had three tight ends. How they yeah. just maul people and worry you out with some passing game. But no, it's going to be uh, quite fun this spring. And uh, I think the, the details really going to show up for Nebraska football, the attention to detail from, from assistants and the head man. Well, and you know, you, you, it's kind of, I said this yesterday, a couple of days ago, you look at the videos, if you pay much attention to them coming out of winter conditioning, there's a lot of Thomas Fedoni. I mean, Thomas Fedoni looks like the Hulk and he's one of those guys <laughs> that dude. if he's healthy, then we can finally see what he was when he was at council bluffs, Lewis central, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And if he is healthy is what Schmidt was alluding to. I mean, you're going to have a Marcus Satterfield offense that likes those two tight end sets and so that's that opens up a lot of possibilities because you know they got to get they got to get a waiver for Gilbert. Doesn't sound like it'll be an issue. Um, and you kind of talk about unlock potential. Can you get him consistently week to week? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of promise there. It's kind of the tight end room mimics some other position groups where there's something to like or you know two or three things to like in that room. It's just you got to see it on the field and maybe a new voice or a new style and system will bring some guys to the forefront that we went, man, you were on the milk carton. Where did this come from? You know, that's the unknown when you're trying to figure out Nebraska football is you can't, you don't know which guys are going to respond to a new coaching staff and also new eyes on them that maybe in the past, there were some preconceived notions of, Oh, he can't play. Well, all of a sudden everybody's got a fresh slate and that's why spring football will be 
really, really interesting to see the competition, but how guys kind of play out. And then guys that when spring football is over, I'm sure there's going to be a couple that transfer and we'll go, oh, well, they had their shot. And that's why I think 15 practices for Nebraska will be huge in developing for the fall. Well, and think about, too, with with Fedoni and Gilbert in terms of level of talent. And, you know, Fedoni's had his injury issues. Those have been well documented. But you're talking about on a couple of the recruiting services, the number one overall tight end, period. Right. Number 35 player, according to rivals, number 45 overall player, according to 24 seven sports. So the country's premier tight end. And then you and then you got Eric Gilbert. And I think what he was class of 2020, yep. if yep. I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Same deal. <laughs> number one tight end in the country. And I think in some cases he was even like top 20 overall player. Top 10. So you you have on your roster right now two of the best tight ends. Yep. that the entire United States has churned out over the last few years. I mean, that's an incredible level of talent. Yeah, and you know, we're still kind of waiting for A.J. Rollins and James Carney. Uh, and don't forget Nate Borkature. He played enough football last year that they'll feel comfortable to put him out on the field. Yeah, it's an interesting room, but it's also one of those positions that look at last couple of years, there's been a Jack Stoll who kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, Travis yeah. Vokalek is at the combine. Travis Vokalek might not get drafted, but Travis Vokalek's going to go to a training camp in late July and early August. It's kind of it's kind of been a run of some interesting tight ends. You know, you had Austin Allen, um, and, and that's a position that I think in this offense is going to be featured. And, and we've seen college football, the tight end is not just that simple inline blocker anymore. They're, they're, they're becoming the Travis Kelsey, the George Kittles. And I think Nebraska's tight ends will become that as well. But it, it's huge that Fedoni makes it through spring, that he's healthy, that he gets confidence, um, and we can see him on display. Because if he is healthy and he's ready to go in the fall, that's a huge asset for Nebraska. And, and finally to get him there, it's, you know, it's kind of we've been waiting on Thomas Fedoni and Teddy Prohaska. And we've gotten to see a little bit more of Teddy. But honestly, guys, we haven't seen a lot of Teddy because his season has been derailed the last two years by injury, and he won't go through spring this year. Um, But if you can get those guys on the field when the fall starts and get them through the first month and then get them through the next month, um, all of a sudden, Nebraska Nebraska offensively looks a little bit different, and it just falls in line of of guys that we don't know much about that all of a sudden they push the right button, and here we go. That's going back to our previous discussion about cheap borders. Gary Sharp with us. Sharpie, get a get a thought from you as Nebraska and Will Bolt uh, able to enjoy yesterday after a really impressive win over Vandy. Do your job today against Hawaii, and then hey, here's Ole Miss. Have a have a great trip to the Twin Cities. What did yesterday say to you about Husker baseball, uh, big picture and in, in the moment? They battle. You know, Mark was alluding to it earlier. They they battle. You know, and and we we talked about this at the opening series out in San Diego and, you know, San Diego's playing really well right now is it is a marathon, not a sprint. And there were things they did in that series that you liked except for the bullpen. But then you look last week at South Alabama and they kind of figured out the roles of in high leverage situations, who's going to get the baseball. And then yesterday, Shea comes out in the back end, throws three innings. I mean, how many times do you ask a closer to throw three innings, even in college baseball? And he only faces 10 hitters. They battle. And that's the thing. I, I think if, you know, Will Bolt in, in the, the really good year a couple of years ago, they battled. Now, they had some pretty good talent, and they had a really strong number one in Cade Povich. But this team battles, and I think there's sometimes 
where you'll get a team from the SEC or a larger conference that will overlook Nebraska. And then you look up on the scoreboard and you're like, wow, it's 3-3. All of a sudden in the eighth inning, it's 5-3. And I think that's how Will plays. I mean, they're very, very talented. I thought yesterday, thorough from one through nine, everybody that towed the slab uh, mm-hmm. on defense, they played one of the most complete games they've played in a long time. And as a result, they beat Vanderbilt. I mean, they chased their ace. Their ace is going to be a first-round draft pick. And they chased him out of the game. Yeah, that's that's awesome. what I was going to say, Gary, because you brought it up about, uh, you know, you can overlook it if you're a, if you're a Vanderbilt and you're coming out of the SEC. But it's not like obviously their head coach wasn't overlooking them because you threw Carter Holton. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you threw your top dude, uh, and Nebraska touched him up. You know, Nebraska got eight hits off of him, scored a couple runs, struck out seven times, um, stranded nine. Yeah, well, right. <laughs> And, you know, eight doubles out of the deal. Here's here's another guy that I think has uh, been a bit of a revelation is, is Burnham out of out the center field. He goes yeah. three for four yesterday, and three and all three of those were doubles. Um, and he's kind of that true leadoff type, even yeah. if he's not always in the leadoff position. Uh, that's something that I think, you, you know, I think one of the guys that Nebraska missed so much last year was a guy like a Jackson Hallmark. Yeah. Right. Like, like I, I loved him as a college baseball player, just a, a super aggressive base runner, um, a guy that could hit for some power, but just one of those scrappy dudes that like you just, you just don't want him on the base pads. Yeah. You just don't because he's going to be aggressive. He's going to kind of mess with the pitcher a little bit. He's going to he's going to try to stretch and get extra bases. I, Nebraska was just lacking in that altogether last year. And it feels like they have a few uh, now that that can kind of play that. I, that lineup one through nine is solid, and if you can get that back into the pitching staff, it seems like they're rounding into shape. Yeah. I mean, they're Gary, they're looking like they could be a threat. And the way Will Bolts has talked, it's it's sort of checking out. Yeah, and you know, guys, you know, surprisingly, as we're in the third week of college baseball season, look at the Big Ten. The Big Ten is represented very well. I mean, Indiana, Maryland. Uh, Illinois, Iowa beat LSU last week. So all of a sudden, the Big Ten through the first three weeks of the season, they are opening some eyes around college baseball. And, you know, we, we tried to do the math of, okay, Nebraska's preseason fifth. What's it going to look like trying to get an at-large berth if you don't win the automatic bid in Omaha in late May? Well, all of a sudden, the league has kind of helped itself. And I, I think that's, you know, you look around the country and people make fun of the Big Ten in baseball. Heck, we do. And we'd like the Big Ten to make more of a commitment to baseball. Well, it takes weekends like last weekend when you knock off Ole Miss or yesterday in Minneapolis when you beat Vanderbilt for maybe some people to go, you know what? We can be successful in Big Ten baseball, and that's great for Nebraska moving forward because all of a sudden that game, that series against Illinois is bigger because Illinois has a couple of nice wins on the resume. But, uh, you know, today is an important day for Nebraska not to lay an egg. There's one other thing I noticed yesterday, and, and I think I've told you guys this, and you probably know this and have discussed it, is last year it was probably the middle of March, late March, when I think Will realized he didn't like his team. They, they had a weird clubhouse. They had guys that were coming back from the NCAA team the year before. They had extra guys with COVID. They had new guys. Not everybody blended together. And I don't think that team liked each other, and that was pretty evident on the field, especially when it was go time. I could tell yesterday – um, and, and even, you know, going back to the South Alabama series, these guys like each other. They play hard for each other and they complement each other and it's get them on, get them over, get them in. And all of a sudden, you know, how, how the vibe changes two weeks after 
the opening weekend against San Diego. But today is important not to lay an egg against Hawaii, to go out and play well. And then you never know what happens against Ole Miss tomorrow. But, boy, that Vanderbilt win, that Vanderbilt win could look really, really good when we get to the month of May. Hawaii is solid, not great. They're five and three. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but a solid team. They're they're (laughs) by no means, you know, bottom feeders, but they're, they're not elite either. Sharpie, want to get your take here from a recruiting standpoint before we say goodbye, and thanks for joining us from Sioux Falls. Nebraska's got some dudes, in-state dudes for 2024, and there's a lot of guys, when we look at Carter Nelson and, and his trip to Lincoln here the last couple of days, the trio at, at, at Bell West that's super talented and coveted, West Side's uh, – lineup and then some of the offensive linemen around the uh the the area um how what do you have a number i mean do you have a number that nebraska needs to hit has to hit or do you think wants to hit with the this 2024 class of in-state prospects i mean is it possible for nebraska to get them all i know defran's probably leaning towards dion really talented corner out of lincoln high but i mean this number keeps growing every year where there's studs in rural areas, studs in Omaha, really talented kids in Lincoln. And if you're Matt Rule, you can go use your connections in Texas. Sure, you've got a lot of guys you know in Texas, but you've got guys just down the street too that pound for pound athletically can match up with about anybody in the country. I think every year, uh, and, and this state has is producing all kinds of talent. I mean, we have we have an eight-man player in Ainsworth, Nebraska, that has 27 <laughs> Power Five offers. Just say that out loud. Eight-man football player. I mean, it's just it's it's unreal. But good for Carter Nelson, and and I think the this is going to be a, a continuing thing, which can either be good or bad for Nebraska. But I'm going to look at it as the the positive that in state, if you can get five guys that are guys that can play in the Big Ten every year, I think that's a great move for Nebraska. And you know they've got some competition this year. Um, you know, Carter Nelson is at the top of the list. Caleb Benning is there as well. Isaiah mm-hmm. McMorris at Bellevue West. This state's getting a lot of attention. So, you know, it, it kind of adds to the urgency of Nebraska to start giving kids in state a reason to stay home by wins and making the program fun, which somehow they've made winter conditioning look fun every time I watch one of those videos. <laughs> but I would say five is about the magic number that you're going to see. You know, you look at Christian Jones, the linebacker in the 25 class from Westside. He just got an offer from Stanford. You know, Stanford has an interest in Caleb Benning. It's it's great for kids in Nebraska, and it's not just Lincoln and Omaha. It's throughout the state that are getting attention, and it, it doesn't necessarily make Nebraska's job more difficult. It makes it where you got to work for the in-state kid, but it shows that you've got in-state kids that are ready to play in the Big Ten if they're getting attention from outside of the state. And and I love it. I think it's great for the kids. I think it's great for high school football. And ultimately, it should be great for Nebraska if you give them a reason to stay home because there's a lot of kids. We've talked ad nauseum about this, guys. There's a lot of kids that have gone elsewhere that want to stay home, but Nebraska hasn't given them anything, either wins or a bowl trip or a relationship that they can go, yep, that's where I want to go to spend my next four or five years of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gary Sharp with us here. Weekend edition, Hail Varsity Radio podcast, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, of course, Hail Varsity YouTube channel. Sharpie, uh, grab uh, a cup of uh, coffee, get some breakfast rocking, and enjoy Sioux Falls, brother. We'll check in with you next week. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. As always, I appreciate it. All right, Thank, you, appreciate you. Thank, Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Hey, Sharpie. Hey.
hey, a little viewer mail comments mm-hmm. in the stream. Uh, so Rick said good morning to us and said that his magic eight ball uh, said maybe when asked if Dylan Rayola was coming to Nebraska. So that's positive, right? Yeah, I've, uh, I have heard that there are people that may be related to Dylan utter they'd be surprised if he's not coming to Nebraska. They didn't say and, he is. They'd say he'd be they'd be surprised if he's not coming to Nebraska. And he could do himself and the program a lot of favors by committing on March 25th when he visits mm-hmm. along with a ton of other high impact recruits that'll be on campus that day. Uh Sal, this is when you were having microphone issues, Chris. Mm-hmm. Said put me in coach. I'll call in and play standby. I mean, yeah, because for a so while. We there, love you. you. Thank you. you, you I like Brando's it. comment here. Yeah, he says we need Mark in the four to six Monday, yes, we uh, do. Friday spot too. Love You're going to drink Dark Cranach, drag you out of the corporate world, and Where is throw he? you in a studio. I got a real job during the week. That's the thing. I got a real job. <laughs> not that not that your job isn't a real <laughs> job. <laughs> wow. It is. It That's is, one Chris. way to it kick is, somebody Chris. in the junk on the way out the door. Love I'm you just, too, Cranach, and your damn navy blue Pittsburgh hat. Uh, uh, it's not a Pittsburgh hat. And then, uh, and then Brando's uh, Sports World close it out with, "Hey, love Schmitty. You can't go anywhere either." So, so him giving me a compliment was not an indictment on you. No, not at all. Right, you're, which you're, is great. You're awesome. That's, that's got to be reassuring. That's got to be reassuring to you, though, right? Of uh, just in your ego, like, hey, what about me? What am I chopped liver? You're not, Chris. You're no. not. Brando Sports I am, World. I'm chomped liver on a Ritz cracker. Brando we'll Sports World. Still like Monday. You. Yeah. Thank Four you, o'clock. Brando Sports World. All sorts of uh, rule reaction. Fedoni, Chief Borders. Yay or nay? Um, does Elijah have company this morning in Vegas? Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. We, and we told him, you know, when he was in, like, Careful. I was a little... Careful what you cons- drug back to the room. Yeah. Like, and whatever you drug back to the room, make sure they have their pants on before you just come on the air and have yeah. your background. You know, it, it works. Elijah in Vegas. Don't you have to be 21 to have fun there? It's, yeah, he's, he's, he's fine. Well, yeah. enjoy your weekend. We'll check in with you on Monday. Thanks for spending time with Hale Varsity. Krenak, appreciate you, brother. And uh, we'll talk sir. to you again with Hale Varsity. All right.